Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. God made this creation, and, and it originally was perfect for what God intended. But then sin was introduced, and I mean, the effects of sin just kind of kept growing. I mean, it, and it's shown with the story of Cain and Abel. I mean, you know, already, I mean, that's, the, that's second generation humanity, and they're already killing one another. Um, and it doesn't get any better, better in succeeding generations. It seems to get worse and worse. Um, I don't know which, par- which book in Jewish literature it is, but there, you know, some Jewish literature, some rabbi, whatever, wrote about humanity, you know, wrote about, say, you know, going from Adam to Noah. And he, he was amazed that, okay, so it took 10 generations from Adam to Noah, from the introduction of sin until the flood, you know, for God to, to destroy humanity and, and start again. But he was amazed. He goes, that's 10 generations of mercy that God showed. I mean, God, the worst things God in humanity, I mean, he could have just wiped everybody out right away and just said, oh, okay, forget it, I'm starting over. But uh, he showed 10 generations of compassion. But then, whatever in the world this sons of God and daughters of man thing is, it just made things worse. It made the situation of humanity so bad that, as it says in here, like every intention of man's heart was evil continually. And wickedness just grew and grew. And God had enough. It says he regretted making man because he was grieved in his heart uh, by the rebellion, by the sin, by what happened to his creation. And so the Lord decided to blot out mankind from the face of the earth. But that section, you know, it, it doesn't end on such a negative note because it says Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace. God found one man and showed him grace. And then by that grace would continue his plan for humanity and he would start anew. He, he would start anew. Noah would be a new Adam. New, a new humanity would uh, begin from him and, and his family and onward. But, you know, we're all descended from Noah in, in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, obviously, the sin problem didn't disappear. But through Noah's story... We get a picture of, you know, kind of what God was going to do because there is going, going, there's always going to be judgment for sin. God will judge sin. But then God also provides a means of deliverance for a remnant of humanity. Here, we're going to be looking at an ark that God provided through Noah. Well, we know ultimately 
to save from the judgment and wrath of sin. God provided Jesus Christ. But the story of Noah continues here. In verses 9 through 22, we get the beginning part of the preparation before the flood uh, here. And so let me read verses 9 through 22 of Genesis 6. It says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted uh, their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you're to make it, the length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and, and finish it to a cubit above, and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring flood, a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kind, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping things of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Now we notice in verse 9 that uh, this starts a new section of, of Genesis. It starts uh, with the Teledoth uh, saying, you know, the genera these are the generations of, you know, and that happens about 10 or 11 times in Genesis. That's just marking off sections. And so these are the generations of Noah. This is now Noah's story. The story is going to focus on Noah, what God is going to do through him, what God is using him for, and the salvation, the deliverance that God will bring uh, through Noah's work. And, and, and uh, you know, the, it says, you know, Noah's righteous. The, this is something different from everybody else. Noah was different compared to everybody else that was on the face of the earth at this time. It says he was a righteous man. It says he was blameless in his generation and that he walked with God. All the rest of humanity, they weren't righteous, they weren't blameless, and they didn't know God. For the most part, everybody else was wicked and evil. For the most part, everybody else was in rebellion. For the most part, all of them were pagan idolaters who ignored Yahweh God. And so Noah stuck out. He stuck out like a sore thumb. He was different from everybody else. He walked with Yahweh God. He walked with the one true God. Now, that does not mean that he was sinless. Whenever you see that word blameless in Scripture, don't think that means sinlessness. Noah still had sin. Noah still sinned, but he was still different from everybody else. He was committed to Yahweh God. He wanted to follow Yahweh, God. His heart was different than other people. His character 
was different. In fact, other parts of Scripture talk about the character of Noah, that he was different. In fact, in Hebrews 11:7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Notice where, you know, we talk about him being righteous, but why was he righteous? Well, he had faith in his God. He trusted his God. But Noah actually was, would later be lauded, would be held up as kind of a hero almost by Jewish literature and by, and by the Jews. Noah was a hero to them. Um, last week I mentioned uh, a piece of Jewish literature called First Enoch. You know, it, it is not scripture, it is not inspired, it, it was written in the late hundred, you know, 200-ish B.C., somewhere, you know, around in there in the first few centuries, uh, or I guess it would technically be the last few centuries of the B.C. era. And, but, you know, it, it reflected kind of the beliefs of the Jews in, in that day. They call it Second, Tep Second bleh, I can't talk, Second Temple Judaism because it was the second temple that was built. You know, the first one was destroyed by the Babylonians. And now, so there was this second temple Judaism literature going on. First Enoch was part of it, and so what the, what, whoever actually wrote it, what they did was, you know, they took a name of another hero of the Jews, Enoch, who, you know, we learned in Genesis 5, was taken up by the Lord. He, he didn't die, he was just taken up by the Lord. But this is what it says about Noah in First Enoch. In 1 Enoch 67, 1, it says, In those days the word of God came unto me and said unto me, Noah, your lot has come up before me, a lot without blame, a lot of true love. And so he was known to have true love. He was known to be blameless. But he, he, it, it's interesting, and just thought it would be interesting to share this with you. He was so highly esteemed as a model of righteousness that the Jews came up with, if you want to call them fanciful stories, if you want to call them myths, they came up with myths about Noah. And, uh, you know, the, and included, they came up with myths about his birth. For example, again, in First Enoch, it says, and so this is the perspective of Enoch writing. And Enoch would have been Noah's, great-grandfather. So it says, and after some days, my son Methuselah took a wife for his son, Lamech, and she became pregnant by him and bore him a son. And his son, this, his body, this, you know, this son here of Lamech, who is Noah, his body was white as snow and red as a rose, the hair of his head as white as wool, and his demdama, beautiful demdama, has to do with hairstyle, I guess, or some. And as for his eyes, when he opened them, the whole house glowed like the sun. Rather, the whole house glowed even more exceedingly. And when he arose from the hands of the midwife, remember, you know, this is a baby, but he arose from the midwife, he just decided to stand up, and he opened his mouth and spoke to the Lord with righteousness. I don't know about anybody here, I have never seen a newborn yet stand up and start talking. But that's what they say Noah did. 
And his father, Lamech, was afraid of him and fled and went to Methuselah, his father, and said to him, I have, be I have begotten a strange son. He is not like an ordinary human being, but he looks like the children of the angels of heaven to me. His form is different, and he is not like us. His eyes are like the rays of the sun, and his faith, face glorious. It does not seem to me that he is of me, but of angels, and I fear that a wonderful phenomenon may take place upon the earth in his days. So I am beseeching you now, begging you, in order that you may go to his grandfather Enoch, our father, and learn from him the truth, for his dwelling place is among the angels. And I mean, it, the story just kind of goes from there. So Lamech goes to Methuselah and said, oh man, th this child that, that was born to me, he's just out of here. Let's, let's go find Enoch. Remember, Enoch was taken up by God. Let's go find Enoch in the land of the angels and find out from him what in the world is going on with this Noah guy. So they, I mean, Noah was held up by the Jews as a hero. He, he was the man. And so, you know, they, they make all these myths about him. And so, yeah, that's all false, by the way. That's all myth. It's legend. And yet... You know, the, the reason why Noah was held up so high was because he was so different from his generation. He stood out from his generation. He was righteous. He was blameless. He walked with God. And this is a reminder for us that in our dark days, the world is looking for people who are different. The world is looking for people who stand out, who go against the grain of the rest of the world, those who are righteous, those who are blameless, not sinless, those who walk with God. The world is begging for people like that. Are we going to be those people? Or are we just going to continue just going with the flow of the rest of the world? You know, we're, we're never going to be like Noah. No one is going to build up some, or no, yeah, no one's going to like build up a legend about us. No one's going to come up with some sort of myth about us. And we don't need that. But the world needs someone who looks like Christ. And in our day and age, anyone who looks anything like Christ is going to stick out like a sore thumb. And we need that. Noah stood out from the rest of the world, and God granted him favor. God showed grace to Noah, and it would be through him that humanity would continue in this reborn earth. Noah would be a new Adam. The sin nature still would follow, but it would be a new start. And so, uh, you know, this was needed because, again, for emphasis in verses 11 through 13, in, in chapter 6 here, it talks about how corrupt the earth had become. It was lawless. It was full of violence. It says that all of flesh corrupted their way. I mean, not only was humanity affected, but every living creature was affected by man's sin. The, the, the corruption of sin just spread like a cancer throughout all of creation. Everything was defiled. And the only recourse that God had was to destroy everything except a remnant that he would preserve. 
And that would be Noah and his family. You know, I find it interesting in verse 13. God says, I will destroy them with the earth. God was going to destroy the earth with the earth. God was going to destroy living creatures by his creation. He was going to use creation against them. This earth that humanity had corrupted with their violence and their sin and their rebellion, God was going to use the elements of that earth, in a sense, to cleanse the earth of their filth. The earth was going to cleanse itself. God would use the earth to cleanse it of sin. But God would save a remnant. And so he gives instructions to Noah to build this vessel that would contain everything that he is going to save. The eight humans and all those animals. He called the vessel an ark. The Hebrew word uh, for ark there is, is only used here and at the beginning of Exodus when it talks about the basket that Moses was placed in. You know, you've probably heard the term Ark of the Covenant, you know, where that Moses and all them built and carried around and had the two tablets in it. That's a, di that's a different word. This, was, uh, this word, it, 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 well, I guess, literally means box. I mean, it, it's a box. Someone described what Noah was going to build as a houseboat. It's one big mammoth houseboat, but, I mean, it's not necessarily a boat or a ship like we think of it. God told Noah to build an ark, a box that would save the remnant. And, and he gives them instructions on how to make the ark. He says to make it out of, I mean, gopher wood. That's at least what the ESV translates. And I think most other translations will say that too. But this, the term is obscure. Scholars aren't really sure exactly what tree they're talking about. But whatever it was, it had to be good. It had to be solid and had to be buoyant. I mean, it had to be strong enough to hold all those animals and whatnot, but it also had to, you know, have some buoyancy to it. So whatever it was, it was good wood to build a very big boat on from. The ark, it says, was covered in pitch inside and out, so it would be sealed watertight. I mean, we don't, didn't need to spring a leak anywhere along the way. It's not a very small vessel at all. The Bible gives the units in 300 cubits, you know, 50 cubits and 30 cubits, and a cubit, you know, I can't help but think of Bill Cosby thing. What's a cubit? Well, a cubit is 17 to 21 inches, give or take. So, so the arc would be roughly 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and I don't know, 45 feet tall or thereabouts. Now, I haven't been to the, to the arc encounter. You know, Ken Ham's thing in Kentucky. Who here has been to the arc encounter? That, it, was, it, was, it was ginormous, huh? So, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, as far as, I haven't been there, but I mean, from everyone's descriptions that have, you know, gone there, I mean, it's a pretty fair representation of what's going on there. It's ginormous for what it is. I mean, it's not as big as like a cruise liner, you know, you go on a cruise, it's not as big as a cruise ship or anything. But for what it is, it's pretty big. And, and, you know, the, um, you know when, they, when they, scholars, you know, they do their measurements and they kind of do their figuring out and, and things like that, you know, they figure that there might be about 93,000 
cube feet of space inside that thing. It, it, and they say it actually would be big enough to hold lots and lots and lots of animals. And it needed to hold lots and lots and lots of animals. Because, you know, here uh, it, it talks about, okay, we're going to be bringing a pair of, of all the animals in. Um, in the next chapter, it, you know, that, that's just kind of a summary. In the next chapter, it talks about, well, you know, you're actually going to bring seven. It's either seven individuals or seven pairs of certain animals. It would be the clean animals. It would be the animals that they would do, that they would use for sacrifice and, and things like that. But anyway, I mean, it, this thing is, is ginormous. It had three decks inside. The, the, the top of it was flat, and so what they did, it, what God instructed was to build this roof over it, and it would be a pitched roof. Uh, you know, a, a flat roof in, in the deluge that would come, that wouldn't be good. And so it had this pitched roof in it. There was a door on the side for, for all the animals and no one his family to get in. And I can't, you know, I love the description that it gives when they, after they, they, everyone gets in the ark. It says that God's the one that closed the door. God's the one that closed it and sealed it. God's the one that would, would save them. Verse 17, God again reiterates the reason he's going to destroy everything with a flood. Obviously, sea creatures will live. But everything else that's not on the ark is going to die. God in his righteous anger will judge the earth for the wickedness that has defiled the land. So there's a lot of talk of judgment. There's a lot of talk of destruction. And then there's verse 18, and there's a contrast. Verse 18 begins with the word but, B-U-T. Big contrast. Here's the contrast. All these other things are going to get destroyed, but God is going to make a covenant with Noah. The, wor the wording is, is such that God is kind of reestablishing a covenant through Noah. So God had a covenant with creation. God is now going to destroy creation. And he's reestablishing the covenant that through Noah, things would be, begin anew. And so what did Noah do? I mean, that's a lot of pressure. You're going to be the only, you and your family are going to be the only ones left. Build this big ark. I'm going to bring all these animals to you. I mean, I'd be like, say, what now? That's a lot of pressure on a guy. But what does verse 22 say? Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. He did it. He believed God's word of warning. I remember when I read from Hebrews eleven seventeen, or Hebrews eleven seven, where uh, you know Noah grabbed hold of the righteousness that is by faith. He was an heir to the righteousness that is according to faith, is how it reads. And Noah started building this thing. It sounded strange to the rest of the world, but you know what? By faith, Noah obeyed God. And therein lies our response. 
You know, sometimes God calls us to things that just don't make earthly sense. But when did God ever follow earthly sense? When would God ever follow earthly wisdom? You know, faith leads to obedience. We have the whole revelation of God right here at, at our disposal. We, we are given an inspired look at God, his person, his character, his works, his promises. And, and how do we respond? By faith. In light of God's word, just like Noah, we do all that the Lord commanded us by faith. I mean, yes, we can't do it perfectly. We're not going to be sinless. But you know what? By faith, first in Jesus Christ, and then by faith that his word is true, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can walk with God just like Noah. And we can stick out in this world. We can, that's, Jesus put it another way, right? Be salt and light. Stick out. Be different. Not be different like in a weird way. Where people, be different in that you are faithful to God. You are righteous. You are blameless. You are walking with your Lord. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.